Good morning. What an incredible day to celebrate Easter, right? I think we need to give the Lord one more hand of appreciation. Beautiful day, beautiful season. So good to see you here worshiping with us on Easter weekend. I want to welcome our Mobile campus and Foley campus and those online. Thank you so much for being part of our weekend experience. We're glad to see you. Uh, You know, I, I love those throwback pictures, right? And you probably can remember some of yours. Well, I I just want to say this. Uh, I'm dressed this way today for my mom. Uh, My mom is in this service, uh, and she's 82, and whenever I wear a tie, she tells me how nice I look. So I'm fishing for a compliment from my mother, so maybe I'll get that anyway. This weekend, I, I want us to look at another perspective of the resurrection. I want us to look at how it relates to us now because believing in the crucifixion and the resurrection makes an impact in your world. And as far as the crucifixion and the resurrection, which one's the most important? Well, that's a good question. People have asked before. So it's it's like asking which is more important, inhaling or exhaling? See, that's the same message. The death of Christ will cancel your sin, but you have to talk about the resurrection of Christ because that validates the cancellation of that sin. And Jesus said, I am he who was dead. I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys which gives you hope for eternity. So I want to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it. Maybe in your mind, why did you come today? Why did you come on Easter weekend? I mean, some of you, you you came for a purpose. Some of you may have come because someone invited you or or maybe someone put an egg in your front yard and and, and maybe some of you are here because that's what you do on Easter. You You celebrate Easter. And maybe some of you are here because you believe in the crucifixion and the resurrection. Why do we believe in the crucifixion and the resurrection? I want to tell you why I believe, okay? I want to tell you why I believe in the resurrection. Number one, because of Jesus' integrity. What do you mean by that? Well, there's no place in history or in biblical scripture that even suggests Jesus lied. He, he told the truth. He had no hidden agenda. He, he was a spotless mirror in front of everybody. And on several occasions, he said, I must die and I will conquer death and I will rise again. I believe it's because of his integrity. Another reason I believe in the crucifixion and the resurrection is because Jesus' enemies never denied the resurrection. Did you know not one of his enemies denied the resurrection? Not the Pharisees, the chief priests, Roman soldiers, not Pilate. You you can't find a record of anybody who was there when it happened denying the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, you can read a story in the Bible where somebody will pay money to say this body was stolen. And his enemies could have produced, if they could have produced a body, they would have loved because they could have stopped this whole idea of the resurrection with just a body. In fact, do you know that it was the third century before anyone started denying the resurrection? About 170 to 200 years before anyone starts denying it. And and, and, and you see, in one setting, there were at least 500 people who witnessed Jesus and heard him speak. Another reason I believe in the crucifixion and resurrection is because Jesus appeared in public. He wasn't in some alley, in some trench coat, in some fog, in some spooky way. He appeared on the mountainside. He appeared at the lakeside. He even had a cookout for the disciples. I mean, I mean th- this, is not, th- this is none of this religious hokey-pokey weird stuff. He just shows up. It reminds me of the story of the little boy. Mom asked him, hey, wh- what do you think Jesus said on the day of resurrection? And the little guy thought, and he said, 
da-da. Now, that's not in Scripture, you know, that's not chapter one, da-da, Scripture, but, but I, I mean, you know, I, I can just see this, you know, this kid thinking, yeah, Jesus is alive, da-da. I believe in the resurrection and the crucifixion because writers gave their lies for the resurrection. Would you give your life for a lie? What if it were a hoax? Would you keep the ball rolling? Well, maybe for a little time, but would you give your life for it? The writer Matthew, he, he, he was killed with something that looks like a baseball bat with nails protruding out of it, and he was beaten to death. The, the, the writer Mark, he, he, was, uh, he, he, he was drugged behind a false idol through, through, through the streets and the roads until dead. Luke was hung from an olive tree until dead. Uh, John, they tried to boil him in oil, and he, he wouldn't boil, so they put him on an island and exiled him. Peter, he was crucified upside down. Paul, his head was cut off. I, I, do you think these people would give their lives for a hoax? I, I don't. Another reason I believe in the crucifixion and the resurrection is because of the, unbelie of the unbelievers who saw him. Thomas, a disciple, did not believe in him until after the resurrection, and he said, only if I can put my finger there and touch. And the Bible says when he did, he fell down and he confessed Jesus as Lord. Even Jesus' half-brother, James, did not believe in Jesus when Jesus was alive. It was after the resurrection. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that Jesus appeared to James, and then James gave his life to Jesus as he saw the resurrected Lord. Jesus, his, his half-brothers and sisters, they didn't believe in him uh, while he was alive. So what makes a doubter in your own family change? Well, Jesus validated he, his claim. He stepped out of the tomb, and he said, Here I am. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I believe in the crucifixion and the resurrection because of empirical evidence. Empirical evidence is evidence that's based on senses, seeing, touching, hearing, feeling. All of this evidence was before the people. In other words, he wasn't a ghost. He was real. I believe in the crucifixion and the resurrection because it's a historical fact. Yeah, but how can I know that's true? I, I love the story. Years ago, a, a law professor at Harvard teaching his class, he, he, he said, listen, I want you to know that I'm a skeptic about the resurrection, and I have written a book called Principles for Evidence. Later in that semester, the class starts to challenge him and say, look, take, take, take a look at the resurrection of Christ and measure the evidence in the Bible against your principles in your book, and he did so. When he finished that, here's what he said. I have found the evidence for life death and the resurrection of Christ to be more convincing than any other event in history. And, and guess what? He became a Christian. Do you know that every time you go to church on the weekend, you, 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 you're just, it's like you're celebrating Easter all over again. So if this is true, then what does it all mean? What does it all mean? What, what does it have to do with me? Simply, the resurrection can have an impact in your life now, where you live now, today. It means the resurrection is not just a religious observance. So many think, well, it's just a religious observance. So how does this help me today? It gives you hope. And this message, I have two simple points about hope, how hope, can, uh, this perspective of hope can change your life. So here's the first one. Hope helps me face my failures. Simon Peter, one of the disciples, was a failure. And after the resurrection, what did Jesus say? Go tell my disciples and Peter. God includes failures in his kingdom. And, and look, don't, don't look so righteous because you're in a room full of failures. We've all failed. Yeah, I know, Pastor, I've heard the scripture, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yeah, but even if you had not sinned, you'd still fail. 
You can't accomplish anything unless you fail from time to time. Even learning to walk, you, you failed, but yet you got back up. In life, you learn. You know, you fail, you get up, and you go again. You, 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 but we don't like to admit we fail. We just don't like to admit we fail. We, we won't even hardly admit halfway. I, I, I love this. You know, when, when there are reports that people have to give after they have an accident, of course, they give it to the policeman, but they have to give it to their insurance company of what happened or why they had an accident. So these are real. Listen to this report. One guy said, as I reached the intersection, a hedge sprang up and blocked my vision. <laughs> Another one said, to avoid hitting the bumper of the car in front of me, I struck the pedestrian. <laughs> and this one, so many of you can relate to. I was going home pull in the wrong driveway, and hit a tree I did not have. <laughs> Another one, the pedestrian had no idea which way to run, so I, I ran over him. <laughs> or this one, the guy's all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before hitting him. <laughs> and if you're sitting with your mother-in-law, this one's just for you. I drifted to the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. We don't like to admit our failures. But Jesus came out of the tomb and he said, hey, it's okay if you failed. It's okay if you're a failure because I've come out of the tomb to help you face your failures. You don't have to run from your past mistakes, your past failures, your bad breaks, your mistakes. I've come out of the tomb so that you can face your failures. Now go tell my disciples and Peter. And here's where it starts. It starts with our sins. And the Bible's very clear, very explicit about this. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. The psalmist said in Psalms 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Jesus is clear. The Bible is explicit that when you come to him, he doesn't ask for a background check. He says it stops at the cross. He doesn't say, hey, I want to see what kind of grades you've gotten in life. I want, I want to see how you've managed life. He, he doesn't say, hey, you got a group of people that will recommend you before you can become a Christian. Do you have a group of witnesses? No, he takes you just like you are. You remember the old hymn, just as I am without one plea, but thy blood was shed for me. What does that mean? That means Jesus opened his arms around the failures of our world to transform the lives of people through his resurrection power. And one of the reasons many of us just can't wrap our minds around this, we can't believe this, that he would just take us like we are is because we operate with faulty assumptions. See, we, we, have, we have assumptions that we've never tested. We have assumptions that we just believe, we just assume they're right, but we keep living and dragging guilt and, and this and that around with us. We have faulty assumptions like this one. You, you think you need to be perfect to be valuable. That, that, that's false. Yeah, we, we need to have a high standard for ourselves, but sometimes when you can't live up to it, then, then you, be, you live with guilt or you live with a sense of despair or you just throw in the towel. You say, what's the use? I can't live this way. You, you don't have to be perfect to be valuable. Look at Simon Peter. Look at, he, he, he lied, he denied. Look at Paul. Paul was a murderer of Christians before he came to Christ. Here's another faulty assumption. You think you need to please everybody. I mean, if you're hung up on pleasing someone, your mom, your dad, your, your spouse, everybody, you, you don't have to please everybody, and you can't please everybody. That, that would be like you being the chameleon that fell into the box of crayons, changing colors all the time. Another faulty assumption is you think your past determines your present and your future. 
That's false. Whoever said that it's, if it's in your genes, then your past has to dictate your future, that's not true. Why? Because when Jesus stepped out of the tomb, he, he canceled all that. When he is in me, now there's new life in me, and I can start all over. It's, it's a clean slate. Another faulty assumption is you think you cannot change. It's impossible to change. That's false because Jesus is the changing agent. The lie of the mind is, oh, no, you've been doing it this way for so long. You've been acting this way so long. You've had this temper problem, this anger problem, this, this, this. You, you can't change. That, that's a lie of your mind. Christ is the changing agent. So one, here's how hope affects your perspective. Hope helps you face your failures. Here's the second point. Help changes the perspective of my future. We, we live in a hopeless world. Most of the world lives right here in the present. Most of the world is afraid to look out and outward because we're not sure what's going on out there. So we'd rather stay and, and stay in the present. But, but you see, hope changes the perspective of my future. Listen, I, I, I love children. I pastored children for 20 years. We, we have three children. We have uh, four grandchildren. We've got another one that'll be here in just a few weeks. We've got another one to be here before the year's out. I mean, we, 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 have, we have these kids. We love kids. I, we, you know, I, I love the innocence and what they, how they see things. It's like Bella. She's eight now. And when she was three, Mom, Becky was reading her the story of Easter, and she read that Christ died. And her little eyes got real large, and she said, Christ died, and nobody told me. And Becky said, well, let me read the rest of the story. And little Nora, uh, uh, months ago, she, she found out the truth. I and mean, she was so upset when she found out that Jesus wasn't a girl. <laughs> she, she, she wants her cousins to all be girls. And she found out Jesus wasn't a, a girl. She was so upset. And, and then a, a few weeks ago, I was uh, in, in the other building and, and going in between services to, to my room. And, and, and I, my little three-year-old, Tristan, he saw me and, hey, Poppy. And he, and he wants to go. And his mom said, no, you can't go with Poppy. He's going to go talk to Jesus. And he says, where's Jesus? I want to talk to him. Where is he? See, that, that's such innocence. And, 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 and listen, in my journeys, I've seen abused children, and they still love their abusive parents. What is that? That's hope. That's hope. Their pilot light of hope never goes out. They can see bad stuff, but children, because of their innocence, can look right through the bad stuff and see the good stuff. When we see bad stuff, we're trying to figure out the different shades of the meaning of the bad stuff. Not a kid, he looks right through it, and that's the way it is. That's why Jesus says it's like, you need to become like a little child. He's talking about the innocence that gives life to hope again. So many of us are hopeless because we've lost the innocence and we just can't believe there's anything like hope that could really happen. Listen, you cannot have hope if you're negative, if you're a pessimist, if you're the devil's advocate. Kids are so innocent that they don't look for the bad. They just don't. It's like this one mommy story. Here's what she said. She said, I was driving with my three small children one, one warm summer evening when a woman in a convertible ahead of us stood up and waved, and she was naked. And my five-year-old son shouted from the back seat, Mommy, that lady doesn't have her seatbelt on. I mean, they just see the innocence. She's breaking the law. Or the son that came screaming out of the bathroom and, and, and to, to, to tell his dad he dropped his toothbrush in the toilet. So dad fishes it out, throws it in the trash can. The little guy's wheels are turning. And he goes and he runs in dad's bathroom, reaches up, takes dad's toothbrush, throws it in the trash can and said, we better throw this one away too. It fell in the toilet last week. 
such innocence. It's like the little kid that got lost to the YMCA. He ends up in the women's locker room. And when the women see him, you know, they cover up and they scream. And he just says, ha, you never seen a little boy before? <laughs> Do you know what happens to us when we have lost the innocence that gives rise to hope? If you've lost the innocence that gives rise to hope, you lose. We lose. Here's why we lose. Because the circumstances of life, the circumstances of the world overpower us. And what the world says hope is hope. That's hope in hope. And that's not true hope. And, and we lose. We have to have the innocence that gives rise to hope. In the second service yesterday, a father came up to me with his little five or six-year-old daughter, and, 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 and she had made this for me. And, and I thought, well, may, maybe this is something they did in children's church. I checked later. No, it's not. She had actually made this at home, and it had crosses on it. And she told me what these little uh, rosebuds mean and all that. It was really sweet. But then Dad said, listen, I have to tell you this. He said, about a year ago, we visited this church. And he said, the, yesterday, I was driving down 181. And I was frustrated and I was angry and my mind was on something else. And I was, I, 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 I was so caught up in the moment. And, and this little girl sitting in her seat behind dad, well, as we drive by, she points over to the church at the campus at Malbus and says, Daddy, I want to go to church there tomorrow. They came last night and the dad said, that message is for me. And out of the innocence in the mouth of my child, I listened to my child. I don't know why the child made this for me. But there's something special about the innocence. What does it do? It gives rise to hope. And, and, and you see, we, we get so used to the circumstances in life, it just kind of runs over us. It's like the lady who went to the palm reader, and I don't suggest that at all. But she went to a palm reader, and, and, and she said, you're going to be a depressed, lonely person with a lot of problems until you're 30 years old. And the lady said, well, what about after that? She said, oh, you'll be used to it by then. <laughs> a lot of people have gotten used to being hopeless. Whether you're a church member or, or, or you say you're a believer in Christ, a Christian, we've got used to being hopeless. And people listening to me right now, you've accepted a lie that things can never change. And all this stuff about Christianity, oh, it just works for certain people. doesn't mean anything to me. It can't help me. It isn't real. Well, then, li listen. It is real. L listen to what the Bible says in 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That living hope is not hope within hope. This is real hope. That's why you never take the hope out of anybody. That's why you never judge anybody. Because God sees. God has an element. He has a measure of hope for them. And we should never take it out of them with our words. We should never put them down and judge them. Why? Because Christ is all about hope. The prophet said it. He said in Jeremiah 29, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. When I receive Christ, he gives me hope and he gives me a future. He gives me hope for the present. He gives me hope for the future. Then verse 12 says, then you call on me. You, you talk to me, and, and I'll listen to you now. Listen to me, because I've got a future for you. I've got a plan for you. You seek me, and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. What am I saying? I'm saying the crucifixion and the resurrection is the message of hope. Well, how can I have a perspective of hope? Here's how. Listen. You believe that Jesus is all about your present life and your future. 
and you believe that he is alive, and when you accept him, he gives you hope to face your future. Well, if it's that easy, then why don't we just do it? Well, there's a problem. Now you're thinking, oh yeah, I've been in church. Okay, I've heard the Easter messages. Or you say, oh yeah, yeah, the devil's the problem. Or no, it's all those other people who hurt me in church. Or, or you say, no, it's the way of my upbringing, the way I was raised. No, our number one problem is procrastination. You, you see how long you procrastinated in saying amen or something? Yeah, it's procrastination. Yeah, but I, I believe in Christ, and I believe in the crucifixion and the resurrection, but I'm dragging around a lot of failures and mistakes and all this stuff about hope. Well, I, I believe in heaven. I'm just not really sure that, that, that this stuff about hope is real. I, I just don't know. And, and so what's the big deal about procrastination? Well, let me, let me put it this way. Does God care about the health of your body? Yeah, he, he says we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He, care, he wants us to stay healthy. And Jesus is that personal. He's even so personal, he wants you to be a good dad and a good mom. It matters to him that even if your relationship with your spouse is a little, a little friction, a little stress, and a little strife there, it really matters to him. He, he wants us to get our act together, admit our failures, and try to work things out through him. Why? Because he cares about you now. This is not some historical event that, that's way back there and we just remember it, have a remembrance and an observance of it. No, he cares about you now. And there are people who are not happy with their life right now. You're not happy with the past, you're not happy with the present, and both of those will affect your future. You, you saw in the opening song, you saw the video of taking the sledgehammer and shattering that glass with all of those aspects of the past. I'm telling you that God will take care of your past, he cares about your present, and he has a plan for your future. So we need to stop procrastinating and find hope now. This is what it reminds me of because we are procrastinators. Some people put off things like this until the last minute. But you know, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You gotta stop procrastinating. Here's what it reminds me of. There's an Old Testament story. You've probably heard of Moses. Moses was called by God to go tell Pharaoh to let the people go who have been in slavery over 430 years. So what does he do? He goes and he tells Pharaoh, you, you know the story. You know that Pharaoh uh, goes against this and God sends 10 plagues. Why 10 plagues? Because they worship 10 false gods. And you know that after every plague, like the blood that would rise up and all the insects, all this stuff, then, then Pharaoh would say, okay, 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 all right, all right, get it to stop and I'll let the people go. Then he would lie. And he wouldn't do it. Well, in one of those 10 plagues, one of the plagues was frogs. Frogs everywhere. I'm not talking about those little guys. I'm talking about the big guys. There are frogs everywhere. In your bedroom, on the floor, in the, you know, in the driveway, everywhere you go, there's frogs. And I'm not talking about just, I'm talking about knee deep. Nasty, stinking, smelling. Moses goes to Pharaoh, the ruler of the Egyptians. Listen to how he thinks. And he says, would you like for God to take care of the frogs? And he says, yes, tomorrow. Tomorrow? You want to live one more day in this stinking mess? Frogs are everywhere. You want to live one more day hopeless? You want to procrastinate, live one more day without hope? 
You don't have to because hope is available here and now. And listen, this is how I see it. This is how I see so many people, non-believers or believers, who are hearing me and you're thinking, okay, I hear all this stuff, but it doesn't connect. The dots are not connected. Let me tell you why I think that's true for many people. That you live, and, and, but, but you're living with the frogs. You're living in the circumstances of life. And, 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 and let me use this analogy. The scientists of NASA, here's what they tell us. They tell us it takes more power, more fuel to launch the space shuttle than it does to orbit for, for days and days and days. More power to take off the launch pad than it does to orbit. And, and, and you understand, that's why we are hopeless so many times, because we have not plugged into the resurrection power of God, the resurrection of God. We've not plugged into that. And here's Jesus. Here's his promise. I'll help you get off the launching pad. I will pour my resurrection power into you to launch you. Why? Because if you're trying to live your life on the launch pad on earth, the circumstances of earth will cover you up, will, 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 will take out all the hope you have. But when you can allow the resurrection power of God to, to launch you above the circumstances because if you're full of hope you should be above the circumstances it doesn't mean circumstances won't come it means that your perspective of the circumstances are below and not consuming you but you have a different perspective you have God's perspective because now you have been changed because of the resurrection power of God in your life But, 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 Pastor, you, you might say, I, I've experienced some major delays and disappointments in my life. And when I think about the future I had hoped for, I just don't see any ways I'm going to get there. I, I don't see it. Well, listen, you're really in a good position. In fact, you're in the same position that Jesus' first 12 disciples were in right before the resurrection. Crucifixion had taken place. Their future is in shambles. Their hopes, their expectations, are, they died on the cross. All their God-given dreams, all their scriptural promises, their, their, everything they've staked their lives on and left their jobs to follow him, it's all wrapped up with Jesus in grave clothes, sealed in a darkened tomb. Yet on the third day, the resurrection power of God came on the scene and changed everything. Because it raised Jesus out of the grave and then... Because the disciples received that, it set their path ablaze. How? By the resurrection power of God. If their path had not been set ablaze, we wouldn't be functioning as a church because they blazed the path. They, 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 they started before we did. They, they opened up everything. Why? Because they had ex experienced the resurrection power of God. That their life was launched into God's purpose. They're orbiting and they're fulfilling what God's called to do. Every one of them, even though they gave their lives, even though they suffered, even though they went through all this, they were starting something God planned for them. Well, that was back then, Pastor. That's 2,000 years ago. That was the jump start. That was to get the church started. That can't be true today. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You know what that means? Here's what that means. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. You, you, you don't have to wait to sometime in the future to experience the power of the resurrection. It's available to everyone who believes. 
And you may be thinking, your future's been paused. You may be thinking, well, God's changed his mind. I've messed up. I I can't get my act together. He's forgotten. He's changed his mind about my purpose. Listen, God has not changed his mind about your purpose. In fact, Scripture says he actually wrote down your purpose in a book before the worlds were even created. Nothing will change the Word of God, but we can't get there. We can't get there without hope. We can't get there without experiencing hope in our lives because if I look and live in the circumstances of the earth, it drains you. It wears you out to the point it's like, I don't want to listen to all of that out there in the future. I'm just going to live one day at a time, one day at a time. No, God has a future for you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He will take you off the launch pad and he will put you in a place where you're above the circumstances, where you're living out what God's called you to do and it's all because of hope. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want you to just close your eyes. Mobile campus, Foley campus. Would would you just close your eyes? Don't don't move around. Just just, just kind of close your eyes. I want to ask you a question. Does this fit anybody? Oh, but I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm a member of the church. Forget all that stuff right now. You feel hopeless? Circumstances are just consuming you? You have no inner hope, no inner joy, no inner peace. Yeah, but I'm going to heaven. But, you, but you're, you're on the launch pad and everything that goes on in life is just taking control and, and frustrating you. And you need to hear the innocence of the voice of God's Spirit speak to you and say, I want to give you hope. I want to insert my resurrection power in your life and change your life so that your, your, your spirit man's alive and you're, you're, you're soaring above all the circumstances. If that's you, if that fits you, nobody's looking, every eye's closed, hold your hand up. Wow, come on, keep them up just a sec. All over the room, all over. Now you can put your hands down. I wanna lead you in a prayer and I want everyone to pray this prayer with me out loud. Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me, for giving your son Jesus to die for my sins and resurrecting him so that we can have life and we can have hope by believing in him. I don't want to wait another day. I want the hope of Christ today. And I receive it. And as I receive it, I'm going to come off the launching pad. And circumstances are not going to paralyze me. But I'm going to soar above, fulfill my purpose, and have joy and peace. All because of you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Can we give Jesus a big hand clap? Amen. God bless you. All weekend long, people have been responding to that message of hope. And before you leave here this morning, if you're here and you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer, and you know something's different, 
or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer and that message has penetrated your heart. Pastor said it, the Word of God says it, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that we celebrate today now lives inside of you. And that's your hope. If you prayed that prayer and you know you meant it, you know your life's a mess, you know it and you know God knows it, but you've laid it down. I want you to come and tell somebody about it. And in a moment when we dismiss, there'll be a group of people up front here, and if you raised your hand and prayed that prayer, and you know that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to come and tell somebody up front here, and they're going to give you a gift. This is just a tool that we're using this Easter to help you understand what it means to have that hope. That you don't have to leave this building the same way you came in. And it's all because of what this day represents. It's all because of the resurrection power and the hope we have in it. What an awesome day. What an incredible weekend that we've had. As we stand before we leave, can we just give one more hand clap? It's awesome. Listen, those that are coming up front will be up front here. And before you leave, there was somebody who came from out in the commons last service, waited 15 minutes to come down up front here. So don't leave here without telling someone. Those are coming. We'll be up front here. For everyone else, God bless you. We love you. Happy Easter. And we'll see you next week here at Bay.